NFTs are going to impact the world of creativity. At least that's how I see it. And today we're going to learn more about NFTs. By the way, you know, I really like that new Spotify player you installed on our website. It's very cool. Yes, the Spotify player works for everyone everywhere. You don't have to install any app. Just click on the arrow and listen right there on the website. No matter where you are in the world, right? That is right. everyone. Hope you've been having a wonderfully creative week. I'm Ron Jones, and we celebrate what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. And we share with you how you can live a more creative life. And I'm Ingie Jones. Welcome to Thought Row Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen. And our show focuses on how all of us can live more creatively. Which can't hurt. Yeah. So Ingie, tell us who we will be chatting with. Well, today our guest is 16 Crutchfield, and she is the art director at WiseKey and WiseArt NFT Marketplace. Plus, I should mention that we had her on the podcast last season where we discussed the Geneva Business School and the programs they have for entrepreneurs and creative people. That was a great episode. She's so articulate, and everybody that tuned mm-hmm. in had so many compliments for her presentation. Yeah. Um, But I'm really excited to hear what she has to say about NFTs and how they are impacting the future of marketing and selling creativity. Yeah, so we're going to skip the quote this week because I want to maximize our time on the podcast. And plus that, I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. I'm sure you guys are too. Yeah, let's let's get to the interview. There's so much valuable information that she has to share with us. Exactly. So let's hear what 16 Crutchfield has to say. Hello, 16. Glad to have you with us again on the Thought Row podcast. It's been a while since we had the opportunity to have you on our show, and you were a great guest then, and you're speaking to us from Geneva, Switzerland. Yes. Hi, 16. It's so good to have you back with us. I think the last time you were on, you shared a lot of valuable information on art, and it was a very popular episode. Hi, Rod. Hi, Angie. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. And I look forward to your questions. Well, we'll try to make them not too difficult because that's what we typically do. Well, we want to to make sure everyone can understand what's going on, Especially us. Okay, but I'm going to start. Let's start with the magic question of what exactly is an NFT and what do those letters stand for? Okay, an NFT is not something new in the IT world, but it stands for non fungible token. And for those who don't know what fungible means, it means that it's immutable. You cannot change it. So it's actually an algorithm which is created. It's with a code line or or some programmer has um, worked on a computer, if you like, and created this code, which in turn creates an algorithm which speaks to other computers. And that algorithm cannot be changed. It's a unique line of coding, if you like. And so Today, what people are doing is that they are um, using this method to store or to safeguard um, their their items 
uh, it can be art, but it can be shoes, it can be real estate, it can be anything. And there's, they're creating, if you like, a copy or a twin or a digital work directly with that algorithm code, which is then engraved in, in the what they call the blockchain and cannot be changed ever. Mm, so the idea is that, for example, the creator or the owner of the piece of art or jewelry or a watch or something special plans to a house or whatever, they ensure that that, that piece of work will always be uh, forever inscribed as being theirs. So it sort of initiates a provenance, if you like. It also, does it help to track a piece of art or a piece of creativity? Yeah, it does. The only difference with, for example, an, an, a piece of art which has existed, for example, museums are now digitizing all their archives and works. But of course, if you start the chain today, you can only put in what you know as of today. So if you what you've known in the past happens to be wrong or incomplete, well, it will go in the chain as wrong and incomplete as well. So yes, it does track it, but as of today, hmm. for the future. That's very interesting. So why, why are NFTs so important in the art world today? Well, I think there's two reasons. One is um, digital art has been in existence ever since there were computers. So when IBM first came out with this massive computer that was, you know, that fit in a whole room yeah. or in yes. 10 whole rooms, um, there were already people then, even people working in those IBM uh, offices that that were artists and creatives, and so they, you know, they worked on the binary system. They tried to get the machine to repeat patterns, etc. So that was always there. And um, the 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 I think I mean I would like to say that the pandemic is what really uh, gave it a a boost because people all of a sudden realized that when they couldn't go out, they needed their computers a lot more, and there was so much more they could do with them. And so museums who which were closed during mm -hmm. the pandemic because of no staff, right. they said, well, why don't we share our, our works or do our exhibitions a little bit more immersive on, on the digital or on the art in the you know in the on the computers? And they also noticed that they had an audience because people were missing culture. Sure. Of course. So that's one side of things. And then of course the artists who were not able to create maybe as freely as what they did before also didn't have their exhibitions. Well, they worked on their computers at home a lot and became very creative. And um, and so this creation of NFTs, I mean, NFTs existed in the business world before and also in the medical world because they were storing very important information for research. Well, all of a sudden, the artists said, well, we can do that too. And musicians as well as, as uh, fine art or, or even sculptors and people like that. And then they started becoming very creative in the 3D environment as well. So I think these last two years have really boosted that and also made it um, accessible to, to your normal person, you know, just with any computer at home or any smart TV, you, you could actually enjoy it. Yeah, what's interesting about that is also we hear a lot about it in the news, and we'll discuss this a little bit later, but we hear how certain people have made literally millions of dollars off of an yeah, NFT. Yeah, we'll talk about that but a little We'll talk later. about that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, 16, you have a substantial background in the art world, and especially with your relationship with the Geneva Business School. And I'm curious, mm -hmm. why did you embrace the NFT technology and blockchain? 
So Lacey, you're kind of an early adopter into this as yeah. far as we know. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting, I mean, it, it's really a matter of being at the right time, um, at the right place, because when I was promoting, and I still am promoting, by the way, the the MBA for Geneva Business School, which uh, I'm glad to say is is opening its doors now to students on um uh, it's starting with the leadership week on the end at the end of February, uh, around the 27th of February. Oh, great! So Wonderful. we're going to have our first MBA students uh, enrolled. That you know they're enrolled and they'll start now their their program. But during the course of the promotion, I ran these webinars, and um, I don't know if you remember that piece that was sold as an NFT by Beeple. Um, the guy that did 5,000 paintings every day for the last, last 5,000 days, and then he collated all of that in a digital collage mm-hmm. and went online with it and sold it for 69 and a bit million dollars by, I think it was with Christie's or Sotheby's. Um, and I did my first webinar for, for Geneva Business School like almost the following week. And so obviously everybody was talking about that. And during that course, I had Artnet, one of the guys from Artnet in New York, and um, a gentleman called Carlos Moreira, who runs uh, and founded WiseKey, mm-hmm. which is a cybersecurity company. He was actually working with the team that created the, the World Wide Web 20 years ago. And he's now doing and he's launched this platform. Um, well, you to sell NFTs. I don't want to interrupt you yet, but you know what? We're going to talk extensively about WiseKey. Uh, we just okay. have a couple more questions that we want to ask you before we get into that because that's an exciting aspect of what you're currently doing now. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Sure. Well, you know, it it seems like a day doesn't go by when it's reported that someone just made several million dollars, like you were just talking about off an NFT of some simple character. Why? All right. I think there's a collectible um, aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the guys that are really making a lot of money now with their, with the NFTs were the first uh, ones that had, Things like crypto punks. I don't know if you remember those little uh, pixelated faces and yes, characters that, that were like avatars. We do. Yeah. So um, there, there's an aspect of these guys are historical, like they're 10 years old. It's the same thing as somebody buying the first SMS or the first tweet or the, you know, the, the first line of the WW, the World Wide Web. Um, there's a sort of collectible aspect uh, for someone ego or, or whatever a collector says you know i own that and i'm the only one who can who owns that so there's that aspect of things mm-hmm. but then there's also now a lot of people have caught on and they have this um they create demand for example i don't know there's brainoids or there's kitties or there's um, you know samurai cats or whatever right. and they create full series uh, lazy apes is one of them and then they become series and and you can collect the entire um um, all of them, all of the little characters and make up a puzzle and complete your collection. And I think that it's a bit like collecting stamps at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Right. And um, a lot of people also became rich with cryptocurrencies way before NFTs. And so now they've got to spend them somehow. And it is very easy because from wallet to wallet, it's instantaneous payment and gratification. And then you collect your NFTs on your digital wallet and you can show it to your friends on your iPhone or on your iPad or on your smart TV if you're home. So it's it makes it very accessible very quickly. And I think that's creating demand. And that's why they're, you know, they're making those kinds of money. I think I want to answer this question. I mean, 
I know it's interesting, and I've read about this, and, and I certainly have done some research on FTs. The fact that if you create an NFT and you sell it and then somebody sells it again and somebody sells it again, you're always going to make uh, money off of it, almost like a commission every time the thing is yeah. resold. And I also know there's people out there that, for lack of a better term, they flip them. They'll buy one, yeah. hang on to it, and then resell it. And then somebody will buy it and put it in their collection and resell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, there's two sides, again, of, of the NFT coin, if you like. There's those who who are in it for the money and who do flip them. And because there's so much demand at the moment, it does work. Um, I'm not sure how long that will last. Mm-hmm. Hopefully for those who are making loads of money, I hope a long time. But um, I think the whole point of the NFTs is really that blockchain and that uh, um, immutable information that gets stored and inscribed. And I think the royalty is something very new for the art world, not so much for the music world or the the acting, you know, the, the like, if, if you're an actor in a movie, every time the, the movie gets played, you still get some payback. Yeah, Same with the singer. You get residuals. Yeah, but in, in the art world, that didn't exist. I mean, uh, you know, you painted something, you sold it, and if that person sold it again, well, you never, you know, that's it. That was the end of the story. Whereas now, because of this blockchain, you can, um, once it goes onto the blockchain, there are terms and conditions which are, Again, as a, an algorithm put in a smart contract, and that smart contract will dictate that, for example, you know, you, Rod Jones, the artist, uh, painted that in 2022. And so forever now, when it gets sold, you will get some a, a kickback again or a commission or they call it a royalty. It sure didn't happen in the secondary art market for artists once it went to um, an auction house and sold for several million dollars. You originally may have picked up thirty or forty thousand, especially if it went through a, a uh, gallery. And after that mm. gallery sold it, that was it. You'll never see it again. That's this is, right. This is That's kind of right. interesting because artists have always tried to get something from that secondary market. And as you know, some of the top players in the art world uh, have have demanded it. You know, if you're gonna buy this piece of art and if you resell it, you're gonna give me a piece of the action. Mm-hmm. But that's the there's they are few and, and far between. I mean most artists didn't. And so now with the NFT market, it shouldn't well that should sort of balance itself a little bit better. And I think that's why a lot of the artists again with the pandemic they started looking into it and thought, well, you know, I mean that's one way of securing an income um, which I didn't have before. Yeah, for right, sure. Because for once sure. you sell a work of yeah. art, that's it. You're back in your studio painting another more, one yeah. and then hoping, <laughs> yeah. hoping somebody's going to buy yeah. it too. And exactly. you live, you literally live from painting to painting and customer to customer. You, you touch that's on this, right. you touch on this briefly, but we see that art galleries and art museums are heavily investing yeah. in marketing mm-hmm. NFTs. Um, I know you talked about it a little bit, but go a little bit deeper. What is that all about? Okay, maybe I'll just add one more thing about the artists as well, is that with through the internet, um, because this NFT fever has gone global, like an artist before would paint in his artist, whether he in his studio, whether he was in New York or in LA or in Europe, somewhere in Paris or London, um, and that's it. Basically, he hit his immediate um, network. But now with the uh, with the NFTs, it's it's global. So you you could sell one of your artworks um, to someone in, let's say, Peru, 
that whom you never know and you'll probably never meet. And you don't and, have to ship also, it. Yeah, and you don't have to ship it. That's right. You yeah. don't have to ship it. It's instantaneously from one wallet to another through the through the airwaves. I don't know. Yeah. Well, don't but some people anyway, feel like there's a tangible aspect to that? I mean, they don't ta- have the art hanging on their wall. It's not tangible. Yeah. So my explanation to that, I mean, I know what they're saying, but I think it's being a tiny little bit um, stuck in the old ways, because look at if you did a photo, I mean, when you were in the 1800s and you wanted your portrait done on your miniature done or whatever, you know, in the Renaissance times, they all went to an artist who then depicted them as closely as possible, sometimes a little bit more beautiful. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then, uh, you know, then the photography came and, and you had to go into a studio and then you had this guy with this tripod and, you know, and I had a big flashlight and everything. And everybody said, well, that's not art. And they even painted on top of the photograph to make it more arty. And, you know, and then we soon forgot that. And now for heaven's sake, we're taking pictures with our phones. Uh, you know, it's just a new tool, I think. And and mm-hmm. um, having your art displayed digitally on, on a big screen in your living room, I don't see that. I honestly think it's just it's it's just a new way of showing art, but it's still art. Well, you know, I guess I suppose you could also argue the fact that it gives more people the opportunity to see art it, rather than yes, going absolutely. to a museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, and then also you can share your own personal gallery that you've created on your phone, iPad, or computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could ha- meet with a couple of friends and say, "Hey, look, I just scored this piece of art. I really like this artist." It's incredible. What do you think of it? And that person could say, hey, I'd like to have a copy of that myself, correct? Exactly, yeah. And also, I'd lo- I mean, I'm the first one to love going to museums. And I know that if you stand in front of a Klimt or in front of a Van Gogh, there's a lot of emotion in front of the painting. But then similarly, when I go and see Avatar the movie, and if I had a painting of that at home, it, it wouldn't have at all the same effect as what I was, you know, when I was watching it. And at the cinema on the big screen. So, I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, some art is meant to be, it was designed to be digital by the artist and that's what he wanted. And a still picture or a painting of that will never have the same effect. Just as a Van Gogh on a flat screen will never have the same effect. I think it's just a different tool for different mediums. That's a great analogy. That's that's a very good (laughs) explanation, really. Of, of, of the emotional uh, attachment to paintings and digital art. I think that was really uh, yeah, and the reality is yeah. The reality is there are millions of artists out there, and they all have uh, a room or a storage space or mm-hmm. under their house or something where they have stacks of paintings that they can't get into a gallery, but this gives them an opportunity yeah. to show it to literally uh, millions and millions of people around the world, and you never know where your painting what painting is going to resonate with whom. And it also teaches the artist to to think differently about their creativity. Is that right, Sixteen? That's right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think so. And I think like in any type of art, you'll have, you know, those who are pretty, uh, you know, unimaginative and will create boring digital art. And you'll have some that will create amazing digital art. Just like you have people who create, you know, boring paintings and some that are just mind blowing. I think, you know, and soon I'm sure collectors will start making the difference and it will be subjective like it is with everything else. 
What I find really interesting about that is I think what is also irritated a lot of people, at least maybe some creative people, we have a lot of artists that, that listen to our podcast, is the fact that they see a piece of art that looks pretty junky. I mean, there's nothing, no, nothing really went into creating it. Mm-hmm. It's almost a simple yep. graphic. And then they see that person selling that, calling it artwork and then making millions of dollars on it. And then here they have a painting that they spent six months working on yeah, that's absolutely stunning. Yeah. yeah. And they're going, you know, mm-hmm. what, what am I doing wrong here? Do you mm-hmm. have any thoughts on that, 16? Yeah, well, what, how do you think people felt when Malevich came out with his black square? True <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a matter of, of getting that message across and, and raising people's emotions or giving them chills or whatever. But I mean, with all due respect, I absolutely understand the work of somebody that went painstakingly painting something. But I mean, if it's not there, it's just not there. Um well, you know, it gets back to giving them a platform to at least show it. I mean, again, yeah. they, they could have that painting and the only people that are admiring it is their relatives and they have it hanging in their bedroom and that's as far as it ever goes. With, go. with yeah. NFTs, I guess what you're telling us is it has the opportunity to be seen by uh, hundreds of millions, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. And amongst those hundreds of millions, there will always be you know, more people that will that will enjoy it and that will say, okay, I'm going to buy that because I really like it. Well, yeah, that that's it. I was just going to say, if somebody sees an NFT and they, and if they pay for it and they like it, they show everybody on the phone, on their phone or iPad, I suppose then they could very easily, someone could say, hey, you know, I'd really like to own that piece. Is that piece still available? Yeah. And, then, and then they can find that artist or reach back to that artist? Can they reach back to them through the NFT? How does that work? Yeah, no, they can. I mean, they when they buy an NFT, they have the artist's name. Most of the artists are easily, you know, they're all on social media these days as well. So I would say pop it on, on, on Instagram or whatever, but with the name, you can find them, I'm sure. Um, you know, and then it depends. Some artists uh, with the NFT, they can put their details. The platform... They can also t- tell the platform whether it's OpenSea or NiftyGate or or Wise Dot Art or whatever. They can, uh, you know, will if the artist wants to be found, he can be found. That's not an issue. Well, that's a big feature. It's, it's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a selling a feature because now you have the yeah. opportunity through NFTs to expose your art to literally millions and millions of people. And then you have a much better shot at that somebody out there in that universe saying, hey, I want to own the original. I want it hanging on my wall. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And you asked me a question earlier about why museums were doing it. So I think there's several reasons to that as well. But one of the major ones is that selling NFTs of their art or of their concept of future exhibitions, um, they, it will help them raise funds. Mm-hmm. And so they can create NFT packages where maybe if they've, um, you know, bought the first ten NFTs of an exhibition, let's say with different paintings or, or uh, you know, it can be anything. It can be natural history or whatever. Well, those people who bought those NFTs may get a special ticket, may get a free poster or a catalog or something. So now museums are becoming commercial, but it's helping them raise funds to actually then um, 
create or install the exhibition or, you know, do a new cafe or restaurant or repair the roof or whatever they need the money for. And also, of course, it's allowing them to show things that they've got stuck up in the cellars or in the attic or wherever in their storage space that they're unable to show the public because lack of physical space in the museum. That's really that's so. Yeah, that's for example, a very good point. Yeah. yeah, you know, people like I mean, big museums, but also small museums. You know, they they have they always say that only about thirty percent of what they really have is on on display, and the rest is all in in crates. So, yeah, and there's some real gems in those crates. I mean, uh, Arshley Gorky's art is probably more crates than anybody else's, and it'd be nice for that to come out and see the light of day. That's right, and it will through the NFTs. Well, and then also they don't. Have, the museum doesn't have to completely rely upon the gate. This is another way that they. It's I could see why they're, the gate is endless at this yeah, point. Yeah, the gate yeah. is open all the way. It's always open, twenty four hours right. a day. <laughs> So it's perfect. And for it that. also means that, you know, if you wanted to, like, for example, now Georgia O'Keeffe has just opened up at uh, the Baila Foundation in Basel, or I think it's opening up this week. Well, maybe someone in New York who loves Georgia O'Keeffe will not be coming to Switzerland, but they can see it online now. And I'm sure, I'm not sure if Baila is doing NFTs yet, but this whole digital way of, of now displaying um, opens the doors to, to the world. Like, if you can't travel, you, you can see it on your computer or on your smartphone or whatever. And that, and that, I think, is huge. I think it's really good. I actually prefer that to going to an exhibition where it's immersive, where you've got, you know, like they did some uh, here in Europe. They had Frida Kahlo and they had Klimt, where you walked inside the painting oh, yeah. and it was on the floor and there was immersive music and everything. I think that's lovely to entice people in and it's a new way to display but actually having it on your smartphone and telling yourself, well, I'm the only one that's got that at the moment and I can, you know, show it to my friends or, or I, with that I get a special ticket or a special favor of something or a package or a cat. I think that's, a, to me, that's a lot more appealing. It'd be interesting to have a conversation with George O'Keefe and Stiglitz and get their opinions on NFTs. I kind of think I know which way Stiglitz would go, and I think I know which way George <laughs> yeah. O'Keefe would go. That would go. be an interesting <laughs> conversation. Yeah. That so would be true. great. I would love to be able to go. Then you need to go back to the future. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so true. But, well, uh, 16, you're, you're currently working with a company called WiseKey, which you mentioned earlier. Please tell us why you're working with them and why they contribute to the process behind creating, marketing, and distributing NFTs. Okay, yeah. So as I said, I met him. I met this uh, the founder of Wisekey uh, in a webinar that I was organizing for Geneva Business School, and um, he created this platform of NFTs and contacted me uh, following the the webinar uh, to ask me if I wanted to be the art director, and. To be very truthful, I really I knew of NFTs and and of course I knew the existence of digital art because that's nothing new, but um, I didn't I wasn't really sure what I would be doing and so um, I I did a lot of research etc cetera, etc cetera, and of course I'm getting all the help and what I really love about working with Wisekey is that well they have 25 years experience in cybersecurity and they've got 
outside of the Wise.art NFT platform, they've got a, a whole other business going with semiconductors and electronic chips and things like that. They also work a lot with Wise ID, in other words, registering people and giving them like um, a digital ID to protect them or, um, you know, mm -hmm. just to have them on record. And I think that's great. And it's not Big Brother looking after you. It's you as a human being and as an individual protecting your identity. And then you can release it to whoever you want or not. Um, as Carlos Moreira always says, it's like you have a key to your house and then you can duplicate it and give it to people like your immediate family or whatever. But it's your choice. And that's what they're working on. They really want the human being to stay in the middle of things and to stay in control. And so they started the NFT platform, I suppose, because they felt they could secure the markets because there are a lot of things going on on the, you know, on this on these various NFT platforms, and there's not much uh, auditing going on as in security. So now for us, for wise.art, People can put their artworks there and they can feel also secure in the fact that the people who are buying are not drug dealers or, um, you know, terrorists or whatever, and right. that the money is, is being monitored. And so we have everybody who comes on the platform, whether you're an artist or a buyer or a collector, um, needs to have a wise ID. Okay, so that's, that's the first part of it. And then I think they have the expertise, the technological expertise which maybe a lot of people don't, um, you know, because they're creators, but the, these guys are IT people. So the downside of that is that they haven't got much idea about art. And that's why they employed an art director. And I'm very proud that it's me, but I mean, it could have been anybody, but, you know, they, they putting all the right um, players in place so that to be, for it to be successful, but mainly for the collectors and the artists to feel comfortable with it. And well, I think that's the difference. Well, I think they made a good choice of picking Absolutely. you, especially with your, uh, your formidable, formidable background and, yeah. and, and plus the fact that you work with the Geneva Business School, which has put you in content, a con contact, tack, thank you, <laughs> with a lot of very creative people. The, the, the interesting thing about, and I have read about Weisskeep quite a bit, and the security factor, Every everybody has to worry about their... Um, having their ID somehow taken away from them and then you're constantly watching it and then you you we experienced it recently with our phone carrier they got breached so our information and millions of other people's information was out there and wise key protecting you uh, is really a good asset to have but now when it talks when you're talking about nfts there are a lot of people that are jumping into this industry and no doubt, like any other industry, there's going to be some people in there that are probably not going to be cricket in how they deal. And to have somebody like WiseKey to be the gateway for your NFTs, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Really I mean, I would, I would have a tendency to trust them, say, more than a couple of guys working out of their garage. Yeah, and that, that's what made me feel comfortable in joining them because I said, at least I know for 99%, of course, that, that you know, I'm in, in safe hands. And the other thing which I find interesting, it's something that we put, you know, in place straight away, was that I want the platform to be, to have some sort of vetting. 
So we've worked at you know, a way to sort out the artworks that come on. But at the end of the day, every NFT that is on the platform has been looked at by someone who is specialized in that type of art. So, for example, for photography, which is not my specialty, mm-hmm. I will be referring to someone else. So it's not people can't onboard by themselves. Um, and even if they do, they have to go through the KYC beforehand. So I will always have a look and and have the right to veto if if I if I need to. So I believe that the quality of the things that we the, the NFTs that we will put for sale will be the quality will be there. It won't be anything and everything. We don't want to be the eBay of NFTs, put it that way. Well, yeah. If um, and I don't know if this is the right kind of question to ask. But if an artist or a creative person wanted to convert a piece of work into an NFT, is WiseKey the place that they would go? I'm not sure if I understand that correctly. Um, Yeah, of course, they'd be welcome. We've also put together a pool of, uh, I would call them graphic designers, but they're people who are not comfortable um, at coming out with their own name, but they're very creative people and are very savvy with digital art. And so, for example, if um, let's take a museum who've got, you know, pieces like in in Europe, for example, Goya and and I don't know Velasquez or Dali or whatever. Well, they're they're physical artworks, and they're obviously two D fixed images, still images. So we can go to a different uh, to a pool of artists that I've already identified, and ask them to make an NFT out of them. So, for example, in Spain, that's the, the, the immediate example that comes to mind because we've been working with the museum. Um, there's an artist called Pedro Sandoval, who's really quite famous already. Well, he will take a Magritte or a Dali or a Leonardo and he'll make a little story out of it. He will extrapolate the key points. He did a very good one uh, for Guernica by Picasso, where he picked out the major points and the symbols mm-hmm. and animated them. So it's not plagiarism, it's not attribution. It's really, he's inspired and then creates an anime. And that would be the NFT to that painting. And I think that's actually quite interesting. I think that's interesting. And I also think Picasso would love it. Yeah. It's so creative. I think so too. I mean, I've read enough about Picasso and he had a sense of humor. So he would absolutely be delighted. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you ever watched him do that ink sketch on that board where he kept doing it over and over and over and he oh, made on the glass. Yeah, yeah the that glass. Was so neat. Some of them were incredible. The glass was good. Yeah. yeah. And we kept saying, God, stop, stop, stop. And of course he kept pushing and pushing and pushing right. and pushing. He knew and he knew when he had a good one, but he just kept on going. He was yeah. having fun. Yeah, yeah, no, and that would be him. Yeah, well he could make a great <laughs> NFT. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he's uh turning around in his grave if he can and uh thinking, oh, I wish I was alive again. <laughs> yeah, for it's sure. Definitely. I mean, a lot of artists are saying this is the biggest turnaround, um, you know, move or technology in, in a long, long time in the art world. And it, I think it's true in a way. I know I went through photography earlier, but uh, there wasn't, I mean, we were going around in circles a little bit. And with this digital art being now really put in the forefront of the markets, I think that's a big change. It's a curve in in the in the history of art movement. I think. Well, you know, I, I, I definitely I, I, see a future. I, I was a commercial photographer for many many years and did art photography, and I when I would make a print, I could sell that print, but I always owned my negative, so I never really felt bad about it. Sometimes when an artist mm-hmm. makes a painting, 
they don't want to let it go. It's become part of them. They spent so many, you know, months, sometimes in some cases, years painting it. They have it in their home. It's become almost like a, a relative or a friend. And with photography, you own, you own the negative, so you could crank out as many prints as you want and sell them. I guess with NFT, it gives you the opportunity to continue to own your art, but then you can share it with other people. They have an opportunity to buy it, but you still maintain your original. That's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting way yeah. to look at it. And you can also either you do editions and you do several of the same NFT, or you can fragment the original piece. In other words, the NFTs will only cover a small area of your piece. And then you'll have some buyers and collectors that will make it clear that they want to buy the whole, you know, to have the full piece at the end. And other people are interested maybe in doing a collection of eyes. And so over a series of NFTs with by different artwork artists on different artworks, they will buy just the eyes of various fragmented pieces. So it gives the people also that the audience and the collectors a choice of in which direction they want the collection to go. Oh, interesting. That's really interesting that you can do that, where you can focus on a piece of like the eyes or the hands or whatever you would like. And then that way it gives incentive to own the original artwork as well as the NFT. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't, I didn't realize that. And that's kind of an, anything. I don't know if, people out there also i think we're just at the beginning i think collectors are actually also very creative in what they're you know what they're buying and why and um again this fragmentation gives you that possibility i love it um i want to ask you a question about the nfts the they seem to be bought and sold using cryptocurrencies and we all hear about cryptocurrencies some of people have wallets with cryptocurrencies in them can you explain uh, to our to us and our listeners how cryptocurrencies work with NFTs? Mm-hmm. Of course. So you mentioned earlier about flipping, which means that people buy and then they put it straight back onto the market because they're in it for the you know for the for the benefit for the profit. Um, all this with cryptocurrencies. Number one, I would say that there are a lot of people now that are very very wealthy in their crypto wallets because they did well for the last 10 years. They believed in it when it came out and now they're way ahead of most. So they need to spend their cryptocurrency in some way. And by flipping artworks, because it is the most um, accessible, if you like, form of NFT at the moment. And as I said, real estate and fashion are coming right behind now very fast. But anyway, art is, is something that they can have and that they can enjoy. And there is some sort of emotion, even if it's on your on your iPad, because I think some art is designed for the iPad, so it works very well. And so when you're doing a wallet, like when you buy with a wallet and you you sell with a wallet, it's instantaneous. Um, So that's probably one of the advantages. There's no in-between, there's no banks, there's nothing, uh, and no hidden fees. There are, of course, what they call minting fees and gas fees, which are the normal maintenance of the platform, Mm -hmm. and that's normal. But other than that, it's very, very fast. And so before you'd buy a painting, you'd do your bank transfer, it'd take five working days at best. And then you'd have to put your painting back on the market. And now with the internet, a lot of people know exactly what you paid for it if you paid, you know, if you bought it at auction or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else would buy it, but wouldn't necessarily buy it with the big markup. Whereas in the NFT world, it just flips. And that's the right term. It just goes very, very quickly. 
A, because there's, you know, the whole world can actually buy it. Anybody who's actually connected can buy it anywhere in the world. And so it, it's some people, that's what they do. Like they wait for for um, something to come on. There's been a little bit of buzz and a little bit of hype beforehand. And they wait for it. And the minute they have it, they put it back in because the hype is still going. Mm-hmm. And they know they're going to make a little bit of a profit or a lot of profit. But I think it's this instantaneously and that there is no um, intermediary, like there's no more banks in the middle. And I think that's important. But you can also, I mean, most platforms offer various types of currencies. You can buy Bitcoin or Ethereum or Polygon or many others. And then there's also, you can still buy with a credit card, but then that sort of defeats the purpose a little bit because then you've got the credit card company in between, again, taking commissions and also five working days for the transaction to go through. So um, I think the more and more people will have wallets, and I honestly believe that, and, you know, we'll live, it'll, they're, they're two worlds that will live parallel but interlink in some stage. Like, look how many people now already do their shopping on the internet and buy with a credit card. I mean, there's no money exchange at the end of the day, you get your food delivered and you you did it on your phone. It's the same sort of thing, except that credit card will be crypto wallet. Oh, well, that's very That's very true, too. too. The, the way we've evolved, it's become... Well, there's countries out there where you can't use cash. True. Yeah, true. exactly. True. And it's, you know, with many, and again, probably due to the pandemic or thanks to the pandemic, it's become second nature to buy... Like yesterday, I met someone and we we're talking about the exact same thing. And he said, what I'm wearing, I, I did not shop in a shop. I bought everything on the Internet. That's so true and nowadays. Not, yeah. Not so long ago, we'd say, oh, no, I'd never buy a pair of shoes like that because I need to try them on. I need to have a look in the mirror. I need to. But now people do like, you know, when you're buying that type of Nike, uh, you know what you're getting. You don't need to go in the shop and try them on. No, and you actually have a better opportunity or a much greater selection. Yeah, that's true. You go yeah. to a retail store, they only have so yeah. much shelf space. Mm-hmm. So they you might know. not have, you and know, now 20. With the, with the metaverse coming on very, very fast, well, you'll have your little avatar in your little dream house somewhere, and and that person, that avatar, will need to be dressed. So, I mean, commercially, the fashion industry is already onto it. So you can buy now your Balenciaga dress for your avatar and your Louis Vuitton. No, it as was an Prada NFT. bag. Yeah, and your Prada <laughs> bag. Yeah, as an, as an NFT. NFT. Yeah. yeah, and the shoes yeah. to go with it. That's so true. And right now we all think, wow, that's crazy. Well, I'm willing to bet that within the next five years, we'll all be doing it. Yeah. That's like going to be interesting. Else. Yeah. Well, that's going to lead yeah. me to the next question. What do you think the world of NFTs is going to look like in five years? I think that the big hype of this, as I said, this money, money, you know, making or money hungry sort of collecting and flipping, mm. that may slow down a little bit. But I think the actual use of the NFT in all sorts of different directions, be it the health industry or be it um, the fashion industry, I think travel industry as well. Like I've been reading a lot of articles where now, you know, people are all very affected by the climate change. Well, there are people now already saying, you, we will do you a whole trip um, to some, you know, far away place where, and it'll all be on your smartphone, on your screen, and you'll be spending your whole evening, I don't know, in the Galap- Gal- uh, uh, 
Galapagos or how yeah, you know yeah. Galapagos, exotic yes. islands somewhere, and you can spend the whole evening instead of looking at you know Attenborough, you'll be doing your own trip that you will have personalized with some travel agent specialized in that. And I and that's already happening. It's not so much the future; it's already now. And then I was speaking to someone in Thailand not long ago, and he said what he sees is that the upper class and 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 wealthy echelon of the society will have bigger physical homes and will have bigger properties and will isolate themselves because they'll have such yeah, big properties. I read that. And then the the middle class and the you know the sort of working class people, well, they will have smaller spaces, but they might have you know, a whole wall of screens. And then, so you want to throw a party in Versailles where you'll buy your, you know, hall of mirrors NFT and that's what you'll be doing. And then at the same time, you'll be inviting your friends from London, Paris, New York to join in your metaverse of Versailles. Sure. And you'll have your party and you'll be sitting in Boulder, Colorado. I mean, I think that will will happen. So I don't know in the next five years, maybe a bit longer, but Mm -hmm. I'm not even so sure. Well, one interesting thing, if you are going to take that trip to the Galapagos Islands, you don't have to be, you don't have to get too worried about getting bitten by a monitor lizard or something. Just something strange. You can can look at them, but you don't have to go near them and touch them. (laughs) Kind of like going to a virtual zoo. Look at the gaming industry. I mean, I have, as I said, I have a 22-year-old son and a 26-year-old son. Well, they're playing in a completely 3D world on their screen in their room against people who are, you know, some of them are in Japan, some of them are in Shanghai, my son's sitting in Geneva, and they're all running around some sort of medieval, you know, I'm talking Assassin's Creed, but there's all sorts of other games, sure. uh, you know, um, and they're all connected worldwide, and they're playing on the same screen and shooting at one another. I mean, there are other games that are less violent, but, you know, you can be building your farm or your little community with people from all over the world, and they're completely entrenched in that space, which is taking place on their screen. The digital dollhouse. It's real. It's a digital dollhouse. It's real. You you know, 16, as you know, we celebrate what people love to do creatively, and uh, both Angie and I have our share of connections with people on social media that we communicate with. I, I was curious, what would be your advice to them when it comes to incorporating NFTs as a way to make money from their creativity? Now, I know you kind of touched on this, but what would your advice be to them? I think embrace this technology, look at it. Remember that it needs to be collectible. So there's no point in doing just one NFT. If you're going to go into that business, imagine a collection of NFTs around a theme or around, you know, that type of art. And it can be music as well as uh, painting or sculptures. And if they if they're willing to try themselves on the digital, then it's easier for the for the platform. I mean, it'll be more interesting because, as I said, if if uh, a piece of art is designed as an NFT to begin with, it's it's going to be more effective no matter what. And um, just go out there and try it. You know, that's an interesting comment. I didn't think about that. But if I if I take one of my paintings and I photocopy them, almost every artist does, we take a photograph mm-hmm. of it and then we stick it on social media where, or we, maybe we send it to a gallery, whatever, so they can see it and they're looking at it on their computer. Um, but if you, if you start out originally creating the art digitally, that has an advantage over photocopying a piece of art? 
Yeah, I think so. Hmm. That's my personal opinion. But I think you can, if you've got a, a like a very high definition JPEG of of a of a painting, um, I think it's less interesting that if it was a, a piece of art created on the computer for you know with that in mind. Well, you're speaking to Angie's ears yeah. right now because she does a lot of digital I do a lot art, of and she's really, art. really good at it. In fact, I love when it so I see much. other people that try to knock her off or duplicate it, and they can come nowhere near her, nobody really knows what she does. I don't know what she does because she'll go in the other room and say, I'm going to be doing some digital art. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, though. Well, very creative. Yeah, Come on the platform. I'll make NFTs for you. I'll be more than happy okay. to do so. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds fabulous. <laughs> sounds good. Okay, so... But, um, yeah. No, you're next. Oh, am I? Um, okay. Okay, then I would like to touch on this briefly, but it seems like everyone, including big business, are moving into the metaverse, which we were talking about. And yeah. I just read uh, recently on Google News that Walmart is going to be a major player in technology because they took out so many different trademarks. Um, what are your thoughts on the world of avatars and living life in non-reality? I know we were talking about this a little bit, but mm. can you expand on it? Yeah. Um, I'm not a soci so sociologist or, or, uh, or even at that matter of psychologist, but I think it'll help a lot of people also find themselves. There are a lot of people now that who are in doubt, who are a little bit worried, who, you know, the world, the real world or the world that we're all living in mm -hmm. has its challenges, of course. And I think if we can keep the, the metaverse um, still a little bit like fantasy land, um, and we shouldn't take our worries into it. So it, I'm not saying you should be entirely living in the in you know in the metaverse, but it'll be a nice way to escape um, mm -hmm. somewhat, you know, to escape into a better place, maybe or a more comfortable place. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying it's it's um, yeah, it's a bit like people who took LSDs in the '60s. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you were in a different place, and I think the metaverse will now develop and it will grow, and we will use it for everyday for shopping, for escaping, maybe for spending an evening in the Galapagos. But it, it'll be um, a parallel and we will still, of course, live in the real world and we'll still, you know, walk in the streets and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, eat real food, basically. I mean, at the end of the day, we still need to, to live. But it'll be a way to, to maybe make it better or make you feel more comfortable, like going to the movies for a while. I think it's no, going to create good, a good lot of controversy. Of I'm sorry, what you I said. I said that's yeah. a good way of thinking of it. It's like going to the movies. Yeah, well, it yeah. actually is. I mean, yeah. We, we yeah. played with it in our living room. Our son-in-law brought the units over, and it the was Oculus, pretty. Yeah, yeah, the Oculus was pretty pretty amazing. But I, it does yeah. have it. It's, it does. It is going to have its detractors. Uh, I know the gentleman who. I don't know him personally, but the guy who created PlayStation, he thinks that this is going to be a big waste of time. But people will try yeah. almost any kind of technology. It, it goes all the way back to horse and buggy, right? Nobody <laughs> thought they'd want to give up their horse. And then once they saw what they could do in a car, all of a sudden they go, wait yeah. a minute, this is far superior this than me so having great. to yeah. feed the horse and, oh. and hook him up and unhook him and all that other kind of stuff. Right. Technology has and, a People have a way of catching up with technology. I guess that's it. Absolutely. And to make life easier. But I mean, the horse and buggy is a good analogy because today in 2022, people still ride horses and still love it. 
you know, the horse doesn't didn't disappear because the car came along. And I think that's also important to know. And I think there'll be lots of other uses like in tech. For example, just the medical world, if somebody who has the knowledge is at the other end of the world, um, you know, can through the metaverse talk to other doctors and advise them on how to operate on this and that sick person, uh, you know, somewhere else in the world. I think that's great. I think it's wonderful that you can do that um, through this metaverse, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. You know, before we, <clears throat> excuse me, wrap this up, um, is there any one thing that you wanted to make a comment about that we didn't ask you and then we're going to close the show? Um, no, I think we covered it very much. I do think it's here to stay. I think I've said that before, but I, you know, I think we should not ignore it. I think, you know, nobody's obliged to go by it, but with it and to, to sort of invest loads and loads of money with it. But I mean, as long as people are comfortable, I think, I, I mean, I'm certainly curious. I bought two NFTs to my, for my children this Christmas. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, I think it's 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 something that I, I I'm very I feel very lucky that I'm alive and that I'm still young enough to to learn about this and to and to to see it happen. I'm really curious about the next ten years. Well, as fast yeah. as it's happening, it's going to happen, you know, very quickly. And I have to say, mm. we really learned a lot from talking to you, and I know our listeners have too. Yeah. Um, you know, you're especially a creative person and you know how to talk the talk to other creative people. So we're really glad we had the opportunity to discuss this with you today. And, you know, I, we really appreciate your knowledge. I mean, you, you shared a lot. Well, I have to say I'm, I'm learning. It's all very new. So I think even those who've been in digital art for, for decades or those who've been in cryptocurrencies for the last 10 years, um, everybody, because now it's moving so fast and no, everybody's learning. So I think it's a great time because nobody can do anything wrong at this stage. <laughs> That's so true. There is no wrong. It's, yeah. a, it's just a yeah. upcoming and, and new and exciting. But yeah, but thank Absolutely. you. Like Rod was saying, thank you for sharing um, and your willingness to share with all of us and, and our listeners. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are desperately seeking information on how to adopt NFTs into their creative lives. So hopefully this will give a little more info. Listen, them. I was happy to be there. Anybody who needs information, uh, they can contact me. I'm on LinkedIn under 16 Crutchfield. Um, you know, we've got the, a platform now called wise.art. Um, so happy to chat with anybody who wants more information. And thank you very much for having me once again. It's been a pleasure. You're well, welcome. we're going to in our show notes and everything. It'll have your contact right. information. And, and if you want to know more about 16, we always have links in the show guest tab for everyone. So we will definitely put your LinkedIn there and people can contact you just by clicking. So and it'll we be encourage, easy. And we encourage them to do so. Yeah. Because, but we'll be on the phone with her first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, right. 16, for Thank being you, with 16. us. It's been a pleasure. Good night, guys. Good night. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, both Rod and I would really appreciate you buying us a cup of coffee. Just go to thoughtrow.com, scroll down a bit, and you can find that link right on our website on the homepage. 
It's really easy to do, by the way. Yes, it is.、Um, and all the money we receive goes to our production costs. Yep. And primarily because we want to keep our show commercial free, and we want to continue to bring you the best quality content with great guests. That's right. Thank you for listening to Thought Row Podcast. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. <laughs>